This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the Be Sotted Pride of West London podcast. Uh, tonight we come live and direct from One Over the Eight, which is one of our regular haunts. We, we, we try and keep this one on rotation. It's so it's such a pivotal place in Brentford's history. We, we we've said you we've said it before. You know, Brentford Football Club was founded virtually on on this very site. Um, that's looking to the past and looking to the future. You can see the new ground just. Well, it's, it gets bigger every time you look at it. So I'm, I'm not quite sure what the scale is at the moment, but it seems twice as big as it's going to be when it's finished. So, uh, yeah, it, it, as you come out of Cubridge Station, uh, the cranes are still there and the construction's still ongoing. Um, and everyone that comes out of it, whether they're a Brentford fan or not, I can just see them looking at it and they're talking about, oh, look, that's Brentford's new stadium. So, you know, by, by stealth... The, the, the good word of Brentford Football Club is, is being spread. Um, tonight is uh, going to be a bit of a tough one to start with, I think. Um, my name's Dave Lane. Um, you, you'll know that um, I'm, I'm, I'm on here pretty much every week and this is probably one of the hardest ones we've, we've done recently, I'd say. Um, we've all been touched by uh, the, the really sad news of Rob Rowan, um, who died um, in the last couple of days. Um, um, Rob was the technical director of, of Brentford, and he'd, he'd been been at, at Brentford for since 2014. Um, he was a, a, a player um, back in his back in his time, well, not that long ago. Um, he was forced to forced to retire because of uh, because of injury, and he reinvented himself um, and became one of the well, what was re- regarded as one of the brightest lights in in, in the game. Um, he was a football visionary, uh, a great scout out a great technician um, but you know as, as on top of all that everyone that knows him and anyone that's got anything to say about him he, he was just a genuinely top man as well um, I wrote a, a piece on Bissotti today uh, and, it, and it basically just said you know he was one of football's good guys uh, Billy and I were lucky um, to have spent a day with with Rob 
um, on, it was Valentine's Day um, two, two years ago or just under two years ago um, we were doing a feature on the B team and Rob was the B team head honcho at that time so you know he invited us to come up to his house or his flat in, in central Ealing he took us to breakfast at Bill's downstairs and we, we, we kind of scoped out the day then we all travelled uh, to Queen's Park Rangers' training grounds and saw the B team play uh, and he, he was just chatting away pretty much all the time and he was interested he was as, as interested in us as we were in him and you know lots of questions um, but just just a really down to earth great humoured genuine nice guy um, so at 28 years old we were just stunned to hear the news break yesterday and you know the Brentford Family, for want of a better word, has sort of come together, and um, everyone has been shocked by this. Uh, you know, our, our, our condolences obviously go out to to Rob's immediate family and his wife, um, and the. But I was keen to point out today that you know we we have to spare a thought as fans for those those members of staff that were very close to Rob. Um, it, the, the, the staff will be grieving as well uh, they they you know they worked with him day in day out and as I say he was he was a hugely respected and liked man um, so you know it's they're, it's gonna they're gonna be some stunned people around the training ground and, and Griffin Park um, so yeah you know, I don't I don't really want to speak too much more about Rob um, we'll we'll do um, a little bit of a, a tribute to him um, in the in the next cut in the next few days as well, um, separate to this. But you know, I'll, I'll open this up to uh, to to the other two tonight. I'm joined by Matt Allard and Liberal Nick. So Matt, um, tell me, you know, how, how how have you taken the news? Yeah, I mean, I, I when I heard the news, I was absolutely staggered. Um, I just I couldn't believe it um, for somebody of that age. Um, it, it just seemed desperately sad, and, um, and 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 the stories I've heard, and and before as well, you know, these are, you know, the obviously on on um, social media we've seen this. For those that haven't seen it, the Scott Hogan story about how when he injured his um, knee for the second time, and everyone remember, you know, that 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 time for Scott, and just what a concern he had, and how Rob took him out for dinner um, with Matthew Benham. Um, and um, and they just you know reassured him that that his future was secure at Brentford and um, and even extended his contract which was going to be running out before you know he was likely to be playing again or very soon after he'd be playing again. So you know there's that side from Scott. I've also got um, I've got a couple of friends who who work for Rob and um, and you know they they've been going through some difficult times themselves and and. And what they told me about Rob was just how what a wonderful guy he was as a boss, and how understanding he was, and how much support he gave them. And um, you know, it's um, yeah, it's just a, a real sort of tragedy. And Nick, you know, Matt Benham, um, he he wrote um, another nice piece today, and you know, he he he, he you know he explained there that he, he really enjoyed being around Rob, and the, you know, he classed him as his friend. Um, and, and that's you know, I, I, ironically, I spoke last week on the podcast about how Brentford seems to be um, you know uh, full of just nice people, um, and it's like understated, knowledgeable. Um, it's, it's the Brentford style, and then you know Rob really fit, fitted that mould. 
Absolutely. I think what's really interesting to have read um, all the tributes that came out to Rob, the words warm, intelligent, funny and witty were the ones that Matthew Benham used in his statement today, but they seem to have been reflected right the way through. Um, he was obviously... I met him very briefly once in the company of Billy, and, I mean, he was, as you said in your piece, he was just interested. He said, ah, you're the liberal Nick, are you? So he obviously listened to and, and made some other scurrilous remark that, that, that was witty and funny um, the guy you know 28 as Matt said have you said far too early a, a, a time to go I think he'll be very much missed Andy Scott put in a good tribute as well so together the two of them formed a really good scouting team and and did for Brentford made us put us on the map when it come to the B team developed through I think in I think the only tribute fitting tribute that will come from, from um, out of Rob is I think there'll be a number of players that he discovered, that he scouted for the club, that'll go on to great and good things. And I bet you there are some players who, over the next couple of days, will be even more determined to make more of their career in honour and tribute to Rob. RIP, Rob. So, let's raise our collective glasses and remember him and just say thank you and cheers, Rob Rowan. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. So I don't know if you listened to the besotted radio show Monday night. It was on Love Sport. Uh, very interesting hour that was uh, spent there. I wasn't involved this week. Uh, so I had a unique experience of listening back the next morning. And I've, I thoroughly enjoyed that. So they, they talked about Queen's Park Rangers uh, in a fair amount of detail. So I don't really want to overlap all of that. But... We do have to talk about QPR, um, obviously. And, you know, the, the, the vibe was, it was great that, you know, at least we've got two weeks now to sort of lick our wounds and get over it. And again, 3-2 was way better than 3-1, which it looked at one stage, and it could have actually been more. Uh, they scored three goals in 10-odd minutes, and, you know, they mastered the conditions way better than we did. And obviously the, the, uh, the loss of more pay it really did hurt us badly. The reorganisation, the substitute, it just didn't work. And uh, they loaded the area and they got the knockdown balls and they really did punish us. So not a great day at the office, second half. First half, I thought we coped with it quite well. Um, conditions absolutely atrocious, but... You know, it was atrocious for both teams and they must train in that. So, you know, f for me as a, as a non-footballer, I thought, I, d I don't want to play in this, but, you know, if you've got the right studs on, you should be able to cope. The Allard, where do we go from here? So we, we've, got, we've got two weeks to kind of contemplate that defeat. Thomas Frank um, has got two weeks to contemplate you know, what he does now with the squad and the team. He's got a couple of players that are edging back to fitness. Um, we, we, we've had a couple of days to kind of contemplate the implications of it all. What, what, where's, where's your head at right now? Um, I, think the, I think our biggest problem is that our next three games are correct me if I'm wrong Middlesbrough Sheffield United and West Brom um, yeah and um, 
uh, you, you know, it's pretty daunting, isn't it? Um, where do we go from here? So, I assume we start with more or less the same team as. I mean, if Mopay's fit, I mean, I think he, you know it was a concussion, from what I understand. There's there's normally a seven day period, or there's a period, isn't there? That's not going to come into play, obviously, because of the international break. Um, so one would assume that Mopay's fit and plays. Um, and then I don't know where Watkins is in terms of fitness, but for me in the first half against QPR, we were, you know, we didn't play that badly. I didn't think we were brilliant. I thought, you know, QPR, he, they they worried me in the first half on on Saturday, um, but ultimately I think we'd have probably gone on to win the game if um, if if Mope doesn't get injured. And I know we argue about. You know, there's the discussion about you know the, the goals were let in by the defence, but um, as I've already tweeted, is that I just kind of feel you start you defend from the front in a way, and um, and I think the outlets our best outlet on Saturday was Canos, um, and when we moved Canos into the middle, it was much harder. It'd be much harder to hit him. In fact, they probably weren't even trying to hit him, so they're going out wide. Um, Alan Judge, um, I think I, I I still have no idea whether he can play in the middle. I, I, we haven't really played him there, so I, I, I don't know. But I just sort of think that on Saturday, I'm not sure that was the right the right decision. Um, no disrespect to to, to Alan. Um, I but I, if he came on, I'd want to see him playing when where Yanaris played or where um, Sawyer's played on Saturday. Um, I we, think. I we, think sorry, sorry. Yeah, no, no. I was going to say I thought there were other options. You know, I mean, it maybe didn't occur to me so much, but you know, Josh Clark played against QPR maybe a season and a half ago and he was outstanding playing up up high on the right in that game um, so it seemed you know that that could have been an option albeit that Clark's hardly had any minutes on the pitch this year um, so there were you know that that was an option Marcondes was no way I think going to play 45 minutes I think maybe if it happened with 10 minutes to go he could have come on and, and played up front even though I don't think he's a striker either which is part of our problem you know could you put Sawyers up maybe um you know, and there's also, you know, Odebarjo, could he have been pushed up? There, there, there were other options. I, it didn't work, essentially. And, and I think my main point is, um, if you, when you only have one striker at the club, I accept that, that Watkins can do a job in there, almost certainly, and there may be a couple of other players that can also do a job in that position. But the point is, if Watkins is your best wide player... Then and Malpe gets injured. Why do I want to move Watkins to play up front? And and that was the same. If Canos is your, but why do you want to? So so not having someone that can just come in and play up front, it's it, it's a nice argument that we've got players that can and, and they probably can, but it weakens the team elsewhere. And that's kind of what where, where where my head is. And I think we need to fix that in the in the transfer window. If I'm honest, I know people say don't panic, but. But it just seems to me it's 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 you know like for like replacement, so the rest of the team stays as strong as it can be. It's an interesting comment um, on Saturday evening, which I kind of agreed with actually. Um, you know, listening back to the post-match podcast, someone said, um, "Strange podcast. Um, why is everyone talking about strikers when it was the defence that let the goals in?" And I and I and I and I kind of I, I thought, yeah, that's, that's that's a really valid point. But you know, and I thought, but. The whole second half performance seemed to stem from the fact that it was more pay that went off and the fact that we didn't have a like-for-like striker to go in his place meant that it was, you know, it was the disruption caused by his loss, not necessarily, you know, it changed the dynamic of the game. We weren't able to... Um, approach the game in the same way that we did in the first half, and, and really that 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 gave Q, 
QPR the the confidence and they started to pepper us. We 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 lost possession. We 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 stopped keeping the ball. Um, we stopped being a threat to them. I don't think they we thought that we were th- we were a threat to them anymore. Canos they they thought he was our our magician. They, they said that in the build up to the game. They feared Canos more than pretty much anyone else. Um, but that's with that's with Canos on the wing, not Canos uh, up top playing a number nine role. You know, so I think that was the, probably the reason that we were we were focusing so much on 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 the striking position. And and you're right, you know, maybe we didn't we didn't ball out um, Odebajo enough because you know I I don't think um, you know him necessarily playing on the wrong side in in some games is working. Maybe, maybe at home a little bit more where um, we've, we we know we can play with a little bit more swagger and a little bit more confidence away from home when you're under pressure. Oh, I don't know, you know. I, yeah, but Odebaji doesn't choose to play left back. I'm sure if you asked him, that wouldn't be his favourite position to play. So do you, do you then call him out for playing out of position? It's another player out of position, isn't it? Because we don't have a fit left back at the club. Not dissimilar to the striker argument, of course. But when we, we have got Barbe that can play there. You're all being too realistic about this. Let, and I'm going to introduce a note. You know, I was really disappointed by that performance on Saturday. Um, I thought the team uh, had reverted back to some uh, a load of players who weren't necessarily sure where they were going. I was disappointed in the passion that they showed. We were playing QPR after all that. Matt's, Matt will always argue to me that you play with intelligence, not passion. You should use your head, not your heart. And of course you're right, Matt, but I was disappointed. I was dis- disappointed, Matt. And I thought, I listened to the podcast on um, Sunday morning um, and I thought, everybody's missing the point. That was a bad Brentford performance and, wh- and whoever we'd put out on that pitch wouldn't have done. Thomas Frank needs to rethink and regroup. The whole team, the whole coaching unit needs to rethink, regroup and decide which of the way we're going forward. And I would have thought that we are currently where we are in the table is about our right position. I think I always argued at the start of the season we were in a false position. I think where we are now. But what worries me is that if we're... If we go on the way we have been doing, it's going to be a tough winter. So what I I would be big and bold and brave. Why, for instance, didn't Josh De Silva get a, more of a run out on Saturday? We've got people like Hardy banging in goals in the B team. At least, given the lack of attacking options that we had on the bench on Saturday, why not put him on and give him a run out in the last ten minutes? He would have run around and, and done. All no, that. That's something that we did bring up. That was that was that was part of that. You know, focusing on the front, and and I, and again, you know, I, I agree. I agree. It was the defence that you know that, that looked shaky, um, and didn't cope with those balls in, and, and that's a hundred percent right. But when we came out of the ground, I you know I was feeling that, you know, it was the loss of it was the loss of um, Morpe and the loss of Ben Rama that really, really they were the they were the they were the two stand the, the two turning points for me. Dave, that, that that's an excuse. That that that's just an excuse. Um, because... I'm not, sorry, I'm not, I'm not. I'm not excusing the performance. I think you're right. I just think for me, that to, to lose those two talents, you know, that our game is a game is all about getting the ball wide, getting getting creating chances for more pace. To, and it was it was it was working in the first half. We we changed that. Yeah, that's that's my point. Do you do you, so? Uh... Nick, first half. How do you how did you rate the first half performance? Did you think that lacked passion? I re- I I 
thought the team did not come out the blocks as, as I expected them to on Saturday. I, I, I thought we were brilliant for 10 minutes on Saturday. QPR didn't get the ball. At 10 minutes? Yeah, yeah, but I'm just saying, the first 10 minutes. For yeah, the first I 10 minutes, I, I think they did come out the blocks. My point, I, I suppose my point is, is, do you think in the first half, because uh, for me, the first half performance was okay. Um, and are we trying to say, and, and, and I suppose if you don't agree with that, then my next point's doesn't make any sense but try to make it back because you next, always make good points well my next point is, is do you believe we played with passion in the first half and not passion in the second half because because if you believe it was all about passion then that I guess is the argument um, well, is there a danger that what we're doing is we're relying too much on, on key players? Okay, okay, For okay. instance, Malpe goes off injured. Yeah. The team absolutely, okay, okay. the confidence gets, gets shot and shot. But actually, well, as a team, you've got to be able to bear the loss of, of well, players, okay, good or bad. OK, but, you know, let, let's be honest with you now. You know, we're talking about a second... We're talking ten minutes after they've just watched a, mate, a teammate literally go unconscious with oxygen and that. And at, at that time, they don't know whether he's... Whatever, what, don't, don't, you can't say that face because they don't know whether he's... You know, you're not being funny. That threw them. And then, they, and then the, whole, the whole team is disrupted because of that. And I'm sure they're thinking, I'm not quite sure what we're doing. We effectively made two substitutions at half-time because... We switched Canos into a position that was unknown to him and we brought on a substitute. And to make two substitutions at half-time, you know, you do that when you're three or four nil down, you're trying to change the game because you're trying to change the game. It's not something you choose to do when you're one nil up. You know, and I'm not, I'm really not trying to make excuses because, you know, I I would say four defeats in five for Thomas Frank, it just isn't good enough. You know, it is not the right start for a new manager. No, no, hold on, hold on. We'll we'll, we'll come back over there in a minute. It's, it's not the right start. It's not, it's not what we needed. It's not, it's not had the, the right impact for, for, for several reasons. And of course, we'll give him the benefit of the doubt for, for the, for the time being. But maybe if he's the one that's picking the team now maybe you know maybe he's picking some players out of position and maybe he's the one that's got to shoulder some of the blame for that for the for, for the half-time substitutions you know and not putting Hardy on the bench and and playing Moses out of position and not having Barbe in that position and Take, taking taking Canos off the wing and sticking him up front, we we didn't we didn't make those decisions. If Hardy's on if Hardy's on the bench, this has occurred to me. Would we have been brave enough to put him on for the second half, or would he? Because I, why was Marcondes on the bench? Because clearly he's not fit because he's not played a lot in recent times. If he was fit, I suspect well, he may have come on. Well, he played to, Marcondes played yeah. today, didn't but, he? But my in, point in some is, training game and, and, and scored as well. So he must be almost appro- approaching approaching full fitness. But I don't think we ever play players that come back from injury like that and they come on and play 45 minutes or 60 minutes or whatever. Do you know what I mean? So, so my point is is that I, I don't really know why Marcondes was on the bench because I don't think we were going to use him maybe apart from for 10 minutes to get some running in his legs well, or something if like we that. were free up yeah or maybe if we're free up we might have um, if we'd have put Hardy on the bench is it the same thing would we have would we have brought him on I don't, I don't think we would have if he'd have been on the bench if and I'm and honest and can, I, 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 really, can I be really brutal about this and t- yeah. pick you up on a point you said about the players being worried about the, 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 the safety of a teammate and that's what led to the QPR goals because no, they were so, concerned no, about I, it. no I said it could have been a factor I didn't say it was that could have been a factor well they, we need to be tougher and we need to install some some t- toughness into these players because what if that happens if you lose your best player 
rather than saying I'm worried about him, actually you 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 you, you gird your loins and say, right, we're going to win this for him. We're going to battle. We're going to show. We're also going to show that we're not a one-person team. We can actually score goals. We can win games, even when the the the, the striker who has got the most goals and the most assists in the championship is is off the field with what looked like a serious injury. Okay. So needs a battle. Needs to go hard. I mean, you know, that's the, that's what being professional footballer is like. I don't ask me what to imagine what I would have done in the same position because I'm not a professional footballer. Well, when Matt Allard chucks you down this flight of stairs <laughs> later on and we think you might have a suspected broken neck, I'm just going to fuck off and catch the train anyway because I'm a professional podcaster. Regular listeners will remember that last week we talked about the Breakaway League, this proposed um, EFL splinter league that the bigger clubs in the championship seem to want to a bigger share of the um, TV pot and um, they're suggesting that if they don't get things their own way over the next year or two, they are going to well, risk splitting everything up for this Premiership 2 um, assuming that Sky or whoever um, else is in the bidding rights wants to give them more money than they currently get. Nick, you've been keeping abreast of this. What, what, where are we at at the moment? Well, my eyes were drawn to a report in the Times today that, that reads, and I'll pray say some of it, but a majority of the Championship's 24 clubs have written to the EFL threatening to form a breakaway league if the board signs a 590 million television deal with Sky Sports for the, for the 2019 to 2024 season. The letter makes clear that they're threatening to leave the EFL by referencing an anonymous survey of 16 clubs that was conducted last week in which those present at a meeting were asked whether they would be willing to leave the EFL and form a new league, e.g. Premier League 2. Uh, Razzini, the Leeds United owner, called for the creation of the Premier League Two last season, last month, sorry, and he is understood to be the driving force behind the club's rebellion alongside the Derby County owner, Mel Morris. Um, in addition to the leading duo, i.e. Leeds and Derby, the 15 signatories of this letter are believed to include Aston Villa, West Bromwich Albion, Norwich City, Reading, Preston, Nottingham Forest, Middlesbrough, Swansea and Birmingham City, with smaller clubs such as Rotherham United and Millwall sliding, siding with the EFL. Now, what really caught my attention was that Brentford are understood to be the only club of the 16th who attended the meeting not to support the threat to leave the EFL. The Championship are rebels, as the Times calls them, believe that the deal on offer from Sky, which is £190 million per year, is an increase of the existing contract of £88 million a season, undervalues their television rights, and they want the EFL to reopen the tender process. That, in effect, is actually... There are several leading clubs who exist within the Championship, who may still be existing in the Championship, who think that basically they're too big for this championship let's discuss this uh yeah two things from my perspective there um i i, I would i would describe that as heresy um i would say that within the list of uh clubs that are, are seeking to break away if they if they don't get their own way are that's breaking away from the football league you please note are clubs who were the founding members of the football league back in the 1880s so they are about to rip up tradition 
literally sell their club soul for um, a bit more TV revenue. Um, and as Nick said, they feel they're too big for this league, but they're not. They're in this league for a reason. They're in the re- they're in this in this league because they weren't good enough to be in the Premier League. That's why they either got relegated or haven't got promoted. I did miss out one big bit, of course, but there is no offer on the table from any other broadcaster and the contract is due to start next season. So you have Leeds United and Derby leading this charge to try and renegotiate a contract when there is only one interested party in bidding for the contract. At this rate, what they'll end up with is £88 million worth of a TV deal rather than £160 million. Sounds almost like a certain other deal we can mention. I think, I think, um, I think it's more about the share of of the money. I, 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 there seems to be two elements to this. One is they think the deal should be more, but the second one, and I think this is the fundamental thing, is the share of the money once it comes in. And I, <clears throat> I suspect that what they would like to do is do their own deal um, that is just shared between Prem Two, Premiership Two, whatever you'd call it. Um, and share it amongst themselves and then there'd be a smaller, much, much smaller deal that would probably worth very little that would go to the rest of the league sides. I think there's a few interesting things here. Um, there's 15 teams, so there's, there, you would assume all 15 would be confident that they'd be in a second... I mean, who knows how this would play out, but one would assume it would be under the current relegation and promotion um, and then maybe there'd be some some sort of change further down the line but but um, Reading <laughs> they're interesting that they would be supporting this um, because they could find themselves on the receiving end of it you could argue um, and, um, and and in a way this is probably why there's only 15 signatories rather than 22 or 23 or whatever um, because because there's a there's seven or eight clubs that aren't sure they're going to be in this league next year so so that probably works in the favour of, of, of this not of this not going through um, I I mean ultimately it's it's to some extent greed isn't it I mean I, I, I think that when it comes down to it I don't think probably promotion and relegation interests them that much and actually what they'd like to do is in if they could possibly get Portsmouth and Sunderland up into the league to vote for it too they probably would do, um, do, you, do you think Sky have only got themselves to blame here because they're the ones that have put Derby um, Leeds United and Aston Villa and uh, on every week you know when, when someone someone asked me recently are you a season ticket holder at Brentford I said yeah I'm a season ticket holder at Brentford and Leeds United and they went what how'd you got two I said well I don't go to Leeds I just watch them every week because they're on telly you know and and, and it's, it's a fact you know so if, they, if they're on telly every week why why is it's only natural at some stage they're going to go well we should be getting more yeah it's a good point actually dave i mean you know when you think that um how little we were on tv last year um i think we've we, we're on a bit more this year but it's 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 it's, it's true is that is that actually sky probably have sort of created this mess by constantly showing Leeds virtually every week Derby Frank Frank Lampard's Derby, Lampard's Derby. Oh, I almost said Frank Sinclair's Derby he's not Frank <laughs> Frank Lampard's Derby Frank Sinatra's Derby yeah Frank's or Frank Sinatra's Derby um, every week um, and um, so I, I suppose the seeds was, have been sown and 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 essentially that's that's where Leeds coming from um, I, for me I will it will it happen could it uh, there's going to be some big talking before next Monday and I wonder if ultimately the EFL will come up and I don't quite know legally where it stands but there'll be some sort of 
deal done on the redistribution of the of the Sky money. It's, um, it's, it's, fasc- it's fascinating from my perspective, right? So, the, the, so the clubs instead of instead of saying, look, let's let's spread this let's spread this airtime out equally. Look, don't have us on every week. You know, we all get the same a similar amount of money. I know they get a bit more money, but it's, it's not a significant amount of more money. You know, let, let's make sure that it is an equality amount of airtime, and then it keeps everyone happy. No. They, they, they're happy to be on telly every week and, uh, and you know, at, at the expense of a, foot, a fan. The, the, fans move, the fans moving... Um, sorry, the fixtures moving screws the fans up. So they've, they're, they're, not, they're not making any kind of moral stance, stance here. They're not saying it's not fair on our fan base, it's not fair on X, Y, Z. You know, the, these rearranged fixtures should be divvied out equally. They're saying, "Oh yeah, no, screw our fans around as much as you want, but we we as a club want more money for from their discomfort." And I and I that's, that's the bit that's, that sticks in my craw, if I'm honest. I absolutely agree, Dave. I would have more sympathy with Leeds United's argument if they said what we are having to do is we are having to cut our ticket prices to ten pounds for for a home admission and. And, and sponsor our away fans when they, when they travel because all um, the kickoff times are getting messed up. If Leeds United owners were honest enough to say that, then you could say there would be an argument for needing to be a redistribution because quite clearly the reason why Sky show Leeds and Derby uh, more times than any other team is because that's where the huge fan base is and that's you know they get the audience figures for watching them because of you know Leeds United were European champions weren't they we've got to remember that I thought so. they still are but yeah, they, you know, yeah, may, yeah. maybe not uh, sorry yeah but, but so but just to finish this point again it is the point that football is about to eat itself and we have really got to unite as football fans and at some stage we are going to have to say enough is enough and the only way to do that is by actually saying I'm not going to buy a Sky Sports subscription and by the way, Brentford, Leeds United, Norwich, if you are going to charge me this stupid price for a ticket, whether it be for a home game or an away game, at 5.30 on a Saturday evening, we're going to have to start and stand up and show what we're going to do. But, but in this case, is it, it's not, I mean, I'm not going to be a defender of Sky by a million miles, but this isn't their... You, know, you can say it's their fault for picking the same teams too often and giving them... Get, you know, get it, making them feel like they deserve more, but it's, it's Sky, uh, they're not, they're not, they're, it doesn't seem to be, they're not the ones that are, are asking for this breakaway league. They, you know, they, they, they're putting more money, they're putting more money into football in the second tier. It seems to be the clubs that are getting more greedy and not the broadcaster in this, in this scenario, is it? But is it Sky that agree the distribution to the clubs, or is it? I assume it's through the EFL. It's through the it's just well, Sky it's, just it's, EFL. It's, yeah. it's just negotiation, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, but, yeah, but e- Sky Sky say we are going to pay you. Yeah. Well, it goes to, it goes to tender, doesn't it? Yeah, you know, yeah. it's part of a tendering but process. Sky, but Sky are the only company interested. That I mean, two important things. Sky are the only company interested in Currently. broadcast. No, Sky. Or BT. Uh, no, Sky, Sky. There are there are. The Times report says there are no other broadcasters interested Currently. in the contract, and well, and if they are, they'll they'll be going for a lower bid. And two, also interestingly, is the Premier League themselves aren't interested in the creation of a Premier League too. No, no, that, that dilutes no, no, their so that's, that's exactly what I mean. So it, it would it would seem that the, the 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 fight for change is coming from within the clubs, not 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 the broadcaster or the um, or the um, or you know, footballing authority. Which, 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 you know, absolutely sort of highlights the the the, the, the greed that's there. Um, 
in terms of broadcasters, current, I, I would say currently there's no one else. But there's there's a lot of TV stations out there that need content. And what I'm saying is, if they if they sniff um, a, a product that they could probably steal from Sky, as a, as a, you know, whether it's BT, whether it's Yahoo, um, whether it's whether it's one of the you know Amazon, whether it's one of one of those, you you never you never know where bids are going to come from, and that's all I'm saying. It, yeah, but. Uh... Conversely, it could go the opposite way because it could be that actually a Premier League 2 is more attractive to a broadcaster like that because they don't have to fill their um, fill their schedules with games that they don't want to show. Sky Sports are running, what, five channels, six channels? They need to fill those schedules with live sport. Um, somebody, conversely, someone else that comes in may only want to show the championship and therefore Premier League 2 and actually the breakaway plays more into their hands rather than than the current status quo. So so we we mentioned like the 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 Brentford the Brentford uh, stance currently is that they attended the meeting as of course you would. Yeah. Um, they didn't sign it. So we're kind of a voyeur in this at the moment. We're not uh, we're not we're not leading this charge. We're kind of sitting on the fence you could say um, or you know we're just listening. It's it's not a time for voting for anything. From where where do we where do we see ourselves? You know, we, where do we are we see we, we surely as a club we don't with that new stadium over our shoulders here. We we would probably see ourselves in that breakaway rather than not in that breakaway. Um, yes, um, and we haven't we haven't got enough points yet to be. You know, is for for me a lot of this argument is about who's actually going to be in the league next season, um, and then. You know, if, if 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 this happened, what happened with the with the Premier League was that there was a deal to part of the deal was it went from 22 clubs to 20 clubs, which meant two clubs didn't get the money, whatever two clubs they were, but but effectively two clubs earned less money. Could the same thing happen? Are you do you then up on, up and end up on the edge of it? Which is why there's only 15 clubs signing this. If there was no relegation or promotion. Probably all clubs would have signed it, you know, because of, for their own interest. Unless anybody has got a real sort of, you know, um, a real oh, oh interest. Oh my god! In, oh my god! You know, don't, don't think we're naive enough to, to think that if there was no relegation yeah. this season, that the, the top two divisions would break away from the rest of the football league tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. They, 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 they broken away anyway, so it's a bit of a. But you know what I mean? Is yeah. it, it's the relegation thing that probably leads it to just fifteen clubs because they could be doing because once you would assume Portsmouth and maybe Sunderland come back up I, you know that I would think they'll be relatively stable having had a few years out of the championship and that you know so, so there's clubs teetering around they're the ones that aren't going to support it um, so yeah I'd, I'd be, I, I think you know it's going to be the next few days there's going to be some very hard talking I, I, again I think it, I'd be surprised if a deal wasn't done Although it's a five-year deal, this TV, that's a lot of, you know, five years is a lot of time for these clubs to say, right, OK, we'll put up with this for another five years. Um, unless maybe the deal ends up being only for two years or something like that. And whether there's some adjustment to rights or something like that, which may be around, you know, these extra games that get shown, etc. I don't know. I want to put more positive spin on this. I think that Brentford didn't sign that letter because actually we're a club that has a bit of tradition 
we recognise actually what football is about, and football is a fans' game, and it needs uh, the fans I, to survive. I, 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 and am I living? Am I being idealistic? I, I would I love. Being, I would. Know, I would love I it. Actually, I would love it if know, it was the case. Nick. No, I, I, yeah. I'd say. I'd say it's probably more to the case that we've we we we've, we've got a CEO that resigns in in December, and we need whoever it is to come in to to kind of work that new TV deal into a business plan and a forecast and a and a and a, and a five year deal and and the new stadium to be started to be filled up first um, I, we're all we're also hearing that there's a there's a chance that the red button um, situation will be changing in the not foreseeable future whether it's for next season I think the red button will be available for um, domestic home subscribers I don't think they're going to be able to show the red button in boozers going forward which I kind of you can't you can't disagree with that so anything that anything that discourages people to attend the games themselves I'm personally against um, midweek so it's uh, it's it's if you've paid for your 70 quid subscription I guess and the technology's there then at home but I don't really want pubs necessarily to although we had we had our red button experience at the Globe and it was very good um, although we lost um, I, I don't really want pubs to be able to market the fact that Brentford are at home and, and they can show it rather than you go to the game or away so uh, yeah more, more to, this, this is something that's going to run and run over the next few weeks um, we might put a poll up actually on, on Besotted over there um, when a little bit more information's available and just to see what Brentford fans think do Brentford fans think we should sign up to the, this breakaway league or do you think we need to stand firm and, and do what Nick says like think about tradition over money uh, don't forget money is not our god right I'm upbeat now I've had a, another glass and I'm going to say I'm going to call this the nine point comeback section we said it earlier we've got three games coming up two of them at home we've got a Saturday evening then a Tuesday night under the Griffin Park floodlights then we got a trip to West Brom on a Monday night again on TV so three very very tricky games more than tricky games they're the they're the, the three top teams in our division and us who are kind of on the yo-yo form you know it's, it's okay that we, we're sticking to our guns and we're playing our football but you know we all know the points on the table is what matters and uh, it's okay to say we had a good first half at Rangers we lost the game it's okay to say we had a decent comeback at Preston we lost the game it's okay to say we could have got a draw at Norwich we lost the game so you know this, this, these are the facts so um, I, don't, I wouldn't go as far as um, um, Mourinho this week when he said that um, st- uh, football stats are for people that don't understand football um, but I, I, do, I do agree in some respects that when you're not playing well and you're, you're spouting facts it, it, does sound, it does sound a little bit hollow so we need to come back and we need to come back in winning style. Middlesbrough at home is going to be a real, well, it's, it's going to be an attrition. We know, what, we, know what, we know what we're up against. We know what Pulis' team's going to be like. Well-organised, uh, just nasty, and um, th- they'll, they'll, they'll really push us. It's for us to make sure we create chances and we take them. Sheffield United, again... They're in really good form. Um, we, we welcome back two, two ex-Brentford players. We hope that neither of them have a good game. 
Um, again, we need to create chances and we need to score those chances. West Brom, probably in my eyes, one of the toughest away games of the season. Uh, very partisan, very passionate home support. Um, they've got players that can take us apart if we're not on our A game. The Allard, nine points. Am I, am I being a little bit hopeful here? They'll be, we'll, they'll be, we'll be fighting over nine points for sure. Um, right, here's something that is a different. I'll give you. So, okay, so we looked at that. All those teams are in what in the top six, maybe seven, um, and they're and they're all flying apparently. Yeah. However, if we if we look at the form league for the last five games, there's a little bit of hope here now because because actually for the last five games, albeit that that's included beating us. Norwich are top and QPR are second. All right, in the form for the last five games, form league, um, and they're the last two teams that have beaten us. Now, Borough are seventh in that form league, so Borough is going to be difficult. But Sheffield United are eighteenth, and West Brom are nineteenth. So, actually, where are you we? Know, well, we're twentieth. Um, <laughs> but but my point remains that that these games look quite daunting if you look at. The football. If you look at the league, but if you look at the form league, we're around. We're, we're there and around with Sheffield United and West Brom. Um, and I know you have to take into account who's played who, etc. But we've played. We've played the top two in the last five games. So maybe this isn't such a sort of you know. Uh, maybe, maybe it's not quite as daunting as it makes out. I'm not suggesting we're going to get nine points by any stretch of the imagination. Um, Borough, Borough is going to be. Borough will be annoying. Um, Quite possibly a bit dull. Um, they'll probably score a goal and we'll struggle to break them down. Um, but you know, but we we haven't. Did we beat Borough last season? We we, we drew a win against Borough, right? Yeah, we're well overdue a win. We drew, yeah. yeah, we're well overdue a win against Borough, right? Um, and then Sheffield United and West Brom—they're in the same form as us. Um, so you know, I think we have to go in and think. And think that um, you know that we're in with a with with a shout in those games. We can only approach it that way. There's no point in us just sort of slitting our wrists and saying we're we're going to get no points in the next three games. And I think that if you look at the form league, there's our potential. Well, you know, I'm, I'm one thing I, I do find myself being guilty of quite often since we got to the championship was the fact that I kind of I think the opposition's going to be better than it is at times. And probably when I look at these next three fixtures, as the Allard has just quite eloquently explained, is the fact that, you know, we aren't a million miles away in form in, in, in two of those. Uh, and we con- we've contributed to the, uh, the, uh, the people that are atop of, top of that form chart uh, with, with six points. So the Liberal... You know, okay. I'm, I'm going to stick my neck out. I'm going to say we are going to beat Borough. Um, we're going to we're going to come out and we're going to do a job over Borough, which which will set us up nicely. Again, we're talking hypothetics and we're talking about we're talking about um, uh, you know the the magic wand stuff here. But we we need to set our we need to set our expectations high. We can't otherwise we're in relegation form if we don't. Uh... Borough will win because long ball t- Tony Pulis. There'll be long ball sent in from the wing by Tony Pulis over our two centre backs, and uh, Borough will have a striker that will convert that goal. So we lose to Borough. Oh. Sheffield, Sheffield, Sheffield United. Uh, their last game was a Sheffield derby against Sheffield Wednesday. They Sheffield United had a uh, penalty saved. 
um, and were unlucky to, by all accounts to come up with a nil-nil draw. I think I saw a bit of that game. And West Brom, Matt, beat Leeds United 4-1 at the weekend. You know, So that seems to be a team that might have turned their form, form around or whatever. They lost, they lost their previous four. So, so, so nice one. You've, <laughs> you've told us the last three results of those. What are we going to do in each of those games? As I said, we're going to lose to Borough because we're going to have a long ball in. We're going to uh, lose to Sheffield United because there'll be a dodgy dodgy um, refereeing decision because there always is for Sheffield United. West Bromwich Albion, we will lose because it's a live game on television and we never play well on television. And then there really will be a bit of a crisis at the club. So, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to... I'm not going to... I'm not going to... I'm not going to jump on you there because I can you you could you can see that happening it, 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 it's, it's a possibility you know you're right Pulis is a doggerel manager um, they play doggerel football and <coughs> Middlesbrough as a club of, of they've, they've, they've got the they've got the, 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 the Indian sign over us they they know how to beat Brentford um, it, we could lose we could equally win we could equally draw you've really fucking depressed me now I'm, I was I was buoyant. I, I know. No, I, I introed this section as the nine point bounce back, and you're saying it's the zero point sort of doom. I'm just, I'm just introducing a note of realism. Yeah, Tonight, I know, okay. we have to be real. Okay, if we're going to be re- okay, so if we're going to be okay, let's let's go for we you know normally a besotted and normally on this podcast. We try and look at the most positive outcome. Actually, let's go with on, on this night of Brexit fast. Let's let's go with the, the 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 worst possible deal here and say we get zero points. Surely we need a new manager then. No, uh, no because I think no, because I think there there is a perfectly cogent argument to be had for why actually it would be really difficult to win win those games against those particular well, no, clubs. No, no, I'll get, no, no, I'll get no. I'll, obviously, I get the cogent argument. They're three really good t- clubs and they're really three really really hard fixtures. But if we if we if we don't get zero points from the last nine, that's that will be eight defeats in nine games for him. Come on, come on. I'm not going. I am not going to sit no, here. No, no. I am oh, not going to sit here as of tonight and say that Frank should resign because oh, mate, no, because on. no no no. no. Going to lose the next three games. Yeah no. I because I have experience tells me that I started to panic. <laughs> Um, this time last year and the year before when Dean Smith went on a bad run as well and I've started to and I've been told by you that I've been wrong and I and I have been proved to be wrong and hopefully it won't be third time lucky for my obviously obviously hopefully it won't be three defeats on the trot and we won't have to have this conversation but come on eight eight defeats in nine games that that would be unprecedented for anyone to keep their job in those circumstances I don't think you'll I, I it's I don't think he'll be judged on results. I think he'll be judged on performances, um, and I think he'll be judged on the, on the, you know, the way he's he is running the club day to day. I don't think he'll not running the club, but running the first team. I don't think he'll be judged on results. Um, to be brutally honest with you, I I, I think it'll be you know I, they have a different way of of, of um, there's a different way of looking at performance um, that isn't just result based. Um, I think we know, you know, Dijkhausen's form was way better than than Thomas Frank's form has been um, in Dijkhausen's last five games. Um, I think I'm, I'm pretty sure. Um, you know, he was, you know, I, and 
and Dijkhausen wasn't sacked because of results. I don't think. You know, that, this I, be, and, and that's my point. We are ultimately. in the we are in the worst run of form, losing <coughs> games since uh, Leroy Senior. Yeah, Leroy Senior was our manager. I mean, and you know, and we know what happened to him. But the club has grown up. The club has moved on. It's a totally new set of people well, running running the club. Well, and well, I just think, and I now just think that we have to stick with it and and and, and trust that we're going in the right direction. Well, I, I, I have to say, if 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 you know, I I didn't. I'm not the one that said we we're going to lose three on the trot. But if if that were to happen, I just I think it makes his position untenable. I think. You know how it works on social media. You know how it works in with with the fans. It will be the biggest vipers pit you've ever seen in your life. Everything will be called under question. It will be it, every single thing about the club will be failure in 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 some very vociferous ways. And I and I think it will be very difficult for for Thomas Frank to continue in his in his role if he's lost eight of nine games. And I think I think the press will will say Project Brentford is is failing. You know, on top of the really bad news and the, the you know the loss of managers and de- you know, I just think it it will it will manifest itself in a way that it 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 will become such a negative, awful atmosphere that decisions would have to be made. And I can't you know how could you how can you back a manager that would have that would have you know taken us taken us to to rele- you know relegation form when we were talking about top two. Um, I. Sh- think that he'll I go back to what I say I don't think that's what will be judged on um, they when he was made head coach at Brentford they had worked with him for two years they knew what he brought to the job um, and um, and they've recruited him for that and and I think if he if he's not performing in that respect then Things are different. We'll see. We'll see. I'm not. I, I, I'm really reluctant to, to end on this negative note, and I and I say no. But it's a challenge now, Thomas Frank. You you need to you need to prove that you you can you can rally these this team. You know you you need to prove that you can you can you're capable of this nine month nine nine month nine point bounce back. You know um, it's just like you know how many points do we need now for from from these next three games for it not to be seen as a disaster I, I say we have to get four points at the very very minimum I'd, I'd say six I six six to get our season back on track um, one one out of nine is going to be awful zero out of nine you know two out of nine is going to be pretty crap yeah I mean I think four is probably about the benchmark for it to be a reasonable three games um, I think we should go round and Nick's already told us zero. Yeah, he yeah, thinks. He's not gonna have so game. how many points, Dave? Um, I'm gonna. I'm, well, I'm gonna go six. Um, I'm gonna go t- two wins and a defeat. And I, and I and which, I. Which are gonna be the two wins? Um, I think we we are going to win against Middlesbrough, um, and and I think we all um, I think we we'll win at West Brom. I think uh, we might draw against Sheffield United, or we might lose. Um, it's going to be it's going to be a toughie. You know, again, obviously I'm clutching at straws, and I'm obviously I'm hoping for the best. I can see it. I can see it being my way. I can certainly see it being Nick's way. I'm not. I'm not shouting you down on this. You know, you're right to say it could be a zero point haul. That is quite possibly looking at the form. And looking at the opposition, it's a it's a possibility. Yeah, I mean, I I I think four points is do is achievable. Um, I I think it's a hard push for us to go through the three games without losing one. 
So probably four is, is I think, roughly where we'll be. Well, if you made it this far in the podcast, well done you, because it's been a bit of a tough listen, I, I would say. Um, it's no, you know, obviously there's not there's not a lot of uh, there's not a lot of positives, you know. Rob Rowan's, you know, demise is is is, is, is knocked the stuffing out of us all. Um, obviously, losing at Queen's Park Rangers was was not brilliant, um, and our form is pretty shit. So um, you know, it's it's it is what it is. Um, we're in a great football league. We're in a great position really um, we're not going to go down um, and if we can come back after this international break we can hopefully come back in a winning way all that's left for me to say is thank you very much to the staff at one over the eight looking after us um, I'm going to have another look at the football stadium as I work my way back to Cuba station and on, on my way back and thank you to the Allard and thank you to the Liberal me Dave Lay signing out by saying Come on, you Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the Pro Pilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.